I have our elder brother, Brother Mike Bauman from Mansfield, Ohio. Please bring prayer for him as he delivers the message this morning through the help of the Lord. Brother Mike. Before we open the word of God, let us join our hearts and bow our heads in prayer. Together, Heavenly Father, in prayer approach, do we approach thy throne of grace. And Father, we know that we can only come to thee through Jesus Christ. He who is sitting at the right hand of thy throne in heaven above, where thou dost rule in beauty, in majesty, in glory, and in righteousness. Look down upon us, Lord, in mercy and in love as we look heavenward to thee from whence our help cometh. Father, thy servant stands before thee in agreement with Solomon of old, who does not know how to go in or out, is but as a little child before thee, waiting and pleading with thee, O Lord, for the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. That, Father in heaven, thy servant may be able to speak in the power of the Spirit, that the weakness of the flesh may be removed, and, Father, that every soul that is here this morning may open their hearts unto thy word and unto thy Spirit, whether believers or unbelievers. And, Father in heaven, that thou wouldst bless each one that has come here, that when they leave this thy house of worship, they may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that thou hast been in our midst, thou didst teach us, thou didst bless us. Give us now, Father, the appropriate word that we all have need of. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. But lies open and before us, for which we have prayed, is found in the epistle of Romans chapter 12. Im Römerbrief, das zwölfte Kapitel, lasset uns lesen zur Grundlage unserer Betrachtung. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as ye have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. 
having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, honor in honoring preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not things, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceable with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters, I need to tell you how much I appreciate your prayers on an individual basis if you have prayed for me this morning and the united prayer that Brother Doug prayed with all of us interceding in my behalf. And if you'd like to know what my prayer was this morning as I came up on the pulpit and prayed, I can tell you what part of it was. I thank God that Jesus Christ is at the right hand interceding for his people. And I said, Lord, if there was ever a time 
that Jesus Christ had his work cut out to intercede for me it is now this morning because of the frailty and the things that I'm exposed to which I would like to keep to myself and to the Lord he knows it because I know I was called upon to stand before you If Christ ever had to work hard in my behalf at the right hand of God, it is this morning. The word that we have before us, I have not sought. I have prayed for it. The 21 verses that we have read is beautiful and well known to us and very beloved, I believe, to all of us that know the Holy Bible. The first verse tells us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. When we read always the word therefore, we need to go up a little higher and read why does it say therefore. Let us read just briefly, or I'll read verse, the last three verses preceding the twelfth one, twelfth chapter. Verse 34 says, Who had known the mind of the Lord? Who had been his counselor? Or who had first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him? For of him and through him and in him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that's the connection. That you be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I wonder, is this chapter necessary for the Church of Toronto this morning? I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the moment it opened up, it was for me. Brothers and sisters, this epistle of Rome of the Romans was directed to the church at Rome to the world center of power at that day where Caesar ruled and reigned there was a church and that church was so obedient so faithful and so believing that their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world And yet the Apostle Paul, by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, said to that church, Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I have never seen, personally, a sacrifice an animal sacrifice. But the Old Testament, it was to be practiced by God's people to sacrifice animals. If I understand the sacrificial method and way described in the Old Testament, it was the animal was bound, laid upon the altar. Permit me to describe it. Its throat slid, bled, 
a certain way, certain parts of the animals were to be disposed, some of them burned, some of them was to be eaten by the priest, and so on and so forth. Brothers and sisters, we are today, this morning, being asked, not with hand and feet bound, and first the lifeblood drained from us, and then put on the altar of sacrifice. We are to come voluntarily to God as a living sacrifice. How often have you heard, how often do we hear? I believe in this church this is my right, and I believe this is the way I think it should go, and I believe this is what we should do. Brothers and sisters, let us come back, and my friends outside of the fold of Jesus Christ, I regret to say the Bible does not speak to you this morning in that direction. But listen very closely. Perhaps you can learn something. To the brother and to the sister, how many rights, privileges, and ways do you feel that a sacrificial animal has? When it laid with its feet bound, its throat slid, and the life bled from the, the life blood bled drained from it, how many rights did that sacrifice have? What was its demands? What was its requests? What did it want to be? How much value do we put, brothers and sisters? And how important is it? What I look like? Do I have the latest clothing on? Do I have the latest hairstyle? Do I have the latest glass frames? Do I have the latest add-ons and the most expensive car? Do I come to church to show all that? Does this fit a living sacrifice? Holy, acceptable unto God, and if we are that, the Bible tells us that is our reasonable service. You see, we always would like to say, what am I doing in the household of God? Whom have I brought to the Lord lately? What have I done? I haven't done anything. You know what the Bible says? If you want to serve God, my dear brother, my dear sister, read the first verse. That is service. And if you have done that, I will tell you that God will add such as should be added to the fold. If you ever look at a sacrifice like that, you will never, ever forget it. If a lost and dying world sees in you and in me a sacrifice described here. They will never, ever forget it. When Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr of the church, 
the Apostle Paul, or Saul, was standing there with holding the coats of the people that threw the stones. An impression was left upon Paul that he has never forgotten. As Stephen prayed, Lord, lay this sin not to their charge. There was seen in Stephen by those that stood around about him, brother and sister, by a lost and undying world, they could see in Stephen as his face shining as an angel. Does my face shine this morning as that of an angel for a lost and dying world to see? Brothers and sisters, if I were to have to choose a chapter for the Church of Toronto on Western Road as your serving elder and preach of it, this would be the last chapter that I feel should have been chosen this morning. I don't know why God has this chapter this morning. But one of the things that I have received from my father and my father from his father is opening the Bible in faith and staying with it and preaching out. In Mansfield, I preached last Thursday as I left because the brothers thought that I've been out of town quite a while and quite often that I should preach before I leave. I opened the Bible in faith and it opened to Job, the 24th chapter. The second, chap second verse in the 24th chapter says that some remove the old landmarks. Permit me to bring that in. I believe with all my heart that that is a landmark that I have received from my father and my father from his father. Will my grandchildren be able to find landmarks that I have left behind or when they travel will they not be able to navigate? Will I have removed the landmarks Will they become confused and lost? To those of you that are in repentance and are strangers to the Word of God, help us, we invite you in Christ's stead. Keep the landmarks of those that have gone on before us. And be not conformed to this world. Is this necessary to write to the believers? Be not conformed to the world. I made a living, a good living, for over 32 years, making molds that form metal, that form cars. And after it was handmade, it was put into mighty and powerful presses with 2,000 tons of pressure to form it into the shape of a Chevy, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, Buick, and Cadillac. I know you now I work for General Motors. My loved ones, 
the world is putting pressure. That's how we form things, and conforming means to it. The world has a certain shape and a certain form. As you instantly recognize what a Cadillac looks like and what a Chevy looks like, you can tell the difference by the form they have. You and I, my dear brother and my dear sister, should instantly recognize by looking at the world that it was not shaped by God. We were drilled and drilled that when a customer opens the door, at the bottom of the entrance it said, Made or body by Fisher, and we should be proud of it. Brothers and sisters, there should be no pride in God's people, but humility. But, my loved ones, stamped on us, on our hearts, and in the expression on the outside, should be handmade by God. Has God formed you and me? We should not be conformed. We should be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may be able to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. My friends, outside of the fold of Jesus Christ, For you it is God's will that not one of you should be lost. If you are lost, you will be lost because you want it to be lost. It is God's will, and God proved that by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you on Calvary's cross. For I say to the grace given unto me that every man among you ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Think of it for a moment, brothers and sisters, if you and I strive for the perfect will of God. And then if we have God's grace, there are differences and different gifts given to every member. My loved ones, there's not one of you sitting here that has the same gift as the other brother has. God has given different gifts. But I want you to know something. According to this scripture passage, the gift has not been given to you to use upon yourself, for yourself, to bring yourself forward and out and to become outstanding. You have failed and you have misused the gift of God that he has given you if that is found in you. You have been given that gift to edify the rest of the members of the body of Jesus Christ. Use it for that and for that alone. Do not misuse that which God has given you. Brothers and sisters, we are many members, and we do not have the same office, but we have been given that 
whether we are ministers, whether we have faith, whether we are teachers, whether we exhort. My dear brother and my dear sister, if, if you're here for the exhortation, have you practiced the gift that you have given? Let us speak about that. And do we look upon one gift as more needed and the other one less? Tell me, where have you found that? You are needed here in this church, and when you are absent, that gift is not here. Brothers and sisters, let us endeavor to be here in this church on Western Road every time we meet. And with the gift that you and I have been given, let us use that gift. Because if you are not here, there is not two of you here. It does not work. When was it the last time that you drove your car and it had a four-speed transmission and the first gear was out, the third gear was out? How did it operate? How did it work? You have brakes on all four wheels. Would you like to drive with three of them only working? We don't travel very far. We pull off to the side, and we want it fixed, don't we? How is it in the church of God? Is the church of God traveling on two brakes, on one gear? The other three are out. Where are you? Is, can God expect us, brothers and sisters, to function just smoothly? Oh, how beautiful that works. But brothers and sisters, we need to take our place. When you are someplace else, your place is empty. When God looks down upon us this morning, as he looks down upon us, what does he see? Love without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Did the Apostle Paul say, I want you to now start leaving and go one to this country, the other one to this country, one to this continent, one to the other continent? No. In the Church of Rome, you work. You hold up your part. And it was Caesar of Rome that tried to stamp out Christianity. The Apostle Paul himself found himself in prison, finally, in Rome. Chained, in chains, and the Caesar's personal bodyguard was chained to the same chain as the Apostle Paul. From there, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians. Read the letter of Philippians. Do you know how the Apostle Paul closes the letter of Philippians? 
greetings from the household of the brethren of Caesar. Caesar, in his own household, who was trying to stand about Christianity, had believers serving him. And the Apostle Paul was able to send greetings to the church at Philippi, of Philippi from the brethren in Rome. And part of those brethren were the church at Rome, were serving Caesar. Brothers and sisters, if we want to reach a lost and dying world, just look around you and see if there's not someone chained in sin next to you and you are free and they're in sin. Think of a mo what, a, what an opportunity. If the Apostle Paul would have said, Lord, I remember in the church in Antioch when the church sent me out to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Lord, have you forgotten what you have called me to do? Because you've got me chained now. I'm discouraged. I'm down. I'm out. I'm not talking to anybody. You know what the Apostle Paul probably did? He said to that man that was chained to him probably for four hours or eight hours, are you a born-again believer? Why have you chosen that? You are a volunteer. You volunteered for Caesar's bodyguard. I am here for the sake of the gospel. Do you know that? Do you know that I'm rejoicing? Do you know that I'm happy? Do you know that when this life closes where I will go? Do you know where you're going to go? Think of the opportunity that the man had. That man couldn't say, I'm leaving you. That man couldn't say, don't talk to me. I'm holding my ears shut. What about the people close to you? Can the Holy Spirit open your eyes this morning and mine and see what is round about you? Brothers and sisters, the Church of God in Rome had need of the 12th chapter in Romans. He says, let brotherly love be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Do you know of a more powerful force in the world than love? If we have brotherly love, those that have no love will be so attracted to us that they have no way out but like a magnet draws metal. My friends, outside of the fold of Jesus Christ, here is a converted person, what a converted person should look like. Here is what you need to do if you want to become a child of God. You need to have the love of God in you that will sustain you, that will uphold you when the pressure of the world is put on you, that you will not conform to the form of the world, but that you will have the image of Jesus Christ, and that no matter what the world pressure is put on you, that you always will look like Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was a sacrifice, sacrificed in your place and in my place on Calvary's cross.
If you want to become a Christian, you must die on the cross of Calvary. Oh, I'm not talking about you going out to Jerusalem and have a wooden cross put up there. No. There is no way out. God had no way out when it came a moment, when the moment came for God to judge and to deal with sin, but to put sin on the cross. And his son took your sins and my sins upon himself. And God then said, I turn my back on sin. I forsake my son because I have nothing to do with sin. Christ cried out, O God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Brothers and sisters and friends, that is a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. God had no other way for his son. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Don't go try any other crucifixion way with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Don't think for a moment that, you know, just put me on the cross so I'm dead and now I'm a Christian. Oh, no. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God had no other way than, than crucifying his son. No other way for the apostles. Is there another way for you and for me? Are you searching for something else? That is the only way that you can take the for, be transformed a broken and contrite heart in Psalm 51 crucified in the New Testament because God wants to form in the image of Jesus Christ in you my friend be not conformed to the world but be transformed and notice all the descriptions that are given here, not slothful in business, patient in tribulation. It doesn't say just the ministers should be patient in tribulation, just the older brothers, the older sisters, or the young ones. All the same. God says that God's people should all look alike and not like me and not like you but like Jesus Christ. The world says be different. Let us measure ourselves for a moment. Not by what I say but what this tells us here. Do we have all, are we all kindly affectionate one to another, brotherly love? Do we honor one another? Are we not slothful, should we, we should not be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, 
patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. All the same. We, would, we will soon speak the same. We will so, soon look the same. We will soon act the same. And brothers and sisters, that is a powerful church. That is a spirit-filled church. That is a church that the devil will fear and tremble. That is a church that will attract a lost and dying world. That is a church. And I hope and pray that the soul with whom I counseled yesterday will not mind if I share that with you. Told me yesterday that when I come in this church, here in your church, in comparison to all the other churches, I feel in this church there's something over me that covers me. Something that I feel, something that I know that is here. And I said, could that something be the Holy Spirit of God? Brothers and sisters, we need to become more like Jesus Christ, not different. That's worldly. Be different. Don't wear this kind of dress. Look like this buy this kind of a suit, don't look all the same, wear a different hairstyle, brother, uh, don't all drive just a condescent to men of low estate, don't all drive a Chevy, a Ford, or something like that, why not drive a Mercedes, don't even bother with a Cadillac, why not drive a Rolls Royce? So when you come to church, everybody sees, here comes so-and-so. Everybody will turn their head. Brothers and sisters and friends, that's conforming to the world. So everybody looks different. God says we should act alike. We should be concerned for <coughs> the same thing. We should, and it will not be long. We will even look alike. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Friends, that's a regenerated man. That's service to God. And where you haven't provided all things honest, where you have recompensed evil for evil, Go and make it right. Repent, convert, go and make it right. Die to sin. Come to the cross. God cannot deal, he cannot transform, he cannot reform, he cannot negotiate with sin. He cannot tolerate it, he cannot sweep it in one corner. God has only one method of dealing with sin, and that is crucifying it, nailing it to the cross. Romans 6, 7 says, He that is dead to sin is free from sin. Live peaceable with all men, 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Because somebody has done you harm, don't think for a moment that God is going to forget. I'm thankful to God that I do not have to, am not called upon to take vengeance of those that have wronged believers. Should anyone be sitting here, if you have wronged a child of God, and that child of God has taken the short end and has taken the wrong, don't think for a moment that God has forgotten that little child of his. You will be judged. God says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's a quotation from the Old Testament. Brother and sister, bear that wrong, bear that wound for just a little longer. God is going to heal it. And don't for a moment try, my dear brother and sister, to pay back to those of you that wronged you. God will pay because you and I may make a mistake. We may do it too early. We may do it too deep. We may do it uninformed. We may do it without mercy, without love. But God is going to do it and is going to do it the right way. And there will be no defenses, no prosecution. There will be no mistakes made. God is an all-powerful, a righteous God. And God will take care of everything, even of you and of me. Perhaps, but don't do that.